Testing. One, two, testing. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Rockman3k3, and you are listening to The Nerd Plate. Uh, unfortunately, we had a lot of, um, oops, we had a lot of, uh, not even scheduling conflicts, but a lot of things came up uh, for both me and Elroy. Um, so, I'm doing a solo show uh, to kind of help out. Uh, he is going to see Dragon Ball um, Super, the Broly story, which shout out to him for going to see that. I expect a full report when he comes back. Of course, he'll have a full report. Um, and yeah, guys, so I decided to kind of help out both of us. That I would talk about the second part of the Kingdom Withheld uh, docuseries, uh, which I talk about story, characters... Uh, progression and development, basically. Or, uh, I guess, character development and story progression, if that makes more sense. Uh, so, first off, I want to say, too, uh, <laughs> just to uh, put it out there, I challenged Elroy on the new Smash Bros. on Switch, and uh, I gotta say, uh, I thought I was about that life, man, but uh, it still didn't end up, you know, uh, too well for me. He beat my ass, okay? Shout out to Elroy for still being the king of Smash around here. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm just gonna say that. But anyway, uh, you didn't come here for me being a pitiful loser about it. Uh, you came here for what's going on with the Kingdom with Hell. Um, so, I guess let's get into it. Okay, so let's get into it. So, when I first, uh, started the kingdom withheld uh of course uh for all of you who are just kind of tuning in uh if you haven't listened to the first part of the kingdom withheld uh docuseries i definitely recommend going to listen to that um we had a lot of great uh questions from the audience on that one uh and if you still have questions you can you know send your your questions in uh to the nerd plate podcast at gmail.com uh which i will answer I'm always happy to answer that. Um, it uh, for all of you who have not listened to the show before, uh, or hasn't listened to this particular uh, subgenre of the show, uh, the Kingdom Withheld is a small RPG project that I've been working on uh, for a while now, and uh, I've you know been putting my heart and soul into it. Uh, I don't have a release date for it yet because you know. It's very hard to put out a release date for something that only you're working on, and that timetable just keeps getting pushed pushed back. Um, I'm trying right now. My biggest focus is trying to get it to the the beta phase, or the not beta, but the demo phase. Uh, it's where it can be a full demo, so people can play it before I put it out on the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, that's where I am right now. So when I sat down and I thought about the kind of characters I wanted to make. Um, of course, like anything else, a lot of thought went into it. Um, so for example, where did the, I guess you would say, inspiration, or where did I really start when I wanted to create these characters? So, the first thing about Kingdom with Hell when I wanted to create these characters is I wanted to create a world where it was it was a lot of it was multiculture and I, and of course I wanted to uh create something that finally had a lot of black characters 
um, in the actual like plot. Like a lot of minorities, um, just I wanted to see more because like every time you see these Japanese RPGs, and you know I know disrespect to them, you know it's Japan. Um, a lot of people don't understand about the Japanese culture. Um, they're very homogenized, and what I mean by that is that they're very closed off. Like, their their country, they focus solely on themselves. They're not racist by any means. They just believe that they don't need any foreigners. Um, after a few things went down, of course, you know, World War II and all those, they feel like they should isolate themselves, and not isolate themselves from the world, but isolate in terms of just, like, focusing. So they're very focused on one thing. Um, Jiro is a great example of that. If you ever watched the great master uh, sushi maker, uh, Jiro, which he is in, of course, Japan. Uh, I believe in Shibuya, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's a very talented sushi maker. That's all he focuses on. No matter what, you know, it's, it's all about sushi. Um, and that's a very deep testament to their culture where they believe in focusing and isolating themselves in total concentration in order to become better at their crafts. Um, so that's why you don't see much or you don't see different nationalities a lot of times um, in Japanese RPGs uh, in a lot of Japanese, excuse me, animations. Um, and so that's what I wanted to change. I wanted to show a different side of, uh, of, you know, that whole culture. I wanted to put more minorities in, like, of all colors. You know, I didn't want to just make this white bread. And this, you know, again, no offense to them. It's just I wanted to put something out there that represented my culture and skin color and as well as other people's skin colors and cultures. Um... And I wanted to put it all together, like a real-world type situation. Um, so, when I thought of these characters, of course, I made a lot of the main characters black. Um, my first instinct was, okay, so what I want out of hero? Um, and what I wanted out of a hero is someone who is conflicted about doing the right thing, uh, even when no one else thinks it's the right thing. Um... And just being themselves and how hard it is to be oneself. Because I don't care who you are. You know, whatever background, a nationality, whatever. It's hard to be you. And so I wanted that character to kind of focus on that. I wanted him to have a lot of problems to where it was hard being him some days. And so I came up with the main character, Vincent. Who is a mercenary. Um, and... He is, uh, he's the adopted son of a very famous mercenary who is kind of retired. I mean, he still takes missions every now and then, but, you know, he pretty much has his own guild and he's retired. Um, and he taught his son the ways of mercenaries. And in this particular game, the mercenaries are kind of like the working people. Like, some people respect their crafts, some people don't. And, you know, they get flack for it, and then other times they don't, you know what I'm saying? But they're the... They're basically the good working class, and they've made a lot of fortune based off what they do. Um, and so I wanted him to kind of be this this guy. And, and that's also why I give him the paradox of seeing, like, different timelines. 
um, it's kind of a paradox and conundrum because there's a lot of timelines where he can't he can't stop them from happening even though he can see them and that that's what's going to really mess with him and then there's some that he can change based on what he does um, and that'll play a key factor into the game uh, of course the RPG is still linear um, but there will be some things like side quests different things he can he can't do uh, that'll be left up to the player um so I thought that was really cool to go with with him. Um Vincent, you know, much like any character you create, I see a lot of myself in him. Uh definitely in the different situations he has to go through, things like that. Now I won't go into details about the story for real because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to wait till the game comes out and see everything. So that's just a little tidbit about Vincent. Um The game is mainly about him. Uh it is about his hardships and struggles and his evolution and his journey to find out who he is as opposed to, you know, what everything is. What, what is, what does this all mean? These different visions, these different people he keeps running into, uh, things of that nature. So that's going to be really cool. Uh, I'm really excited for him and I can't, I can't wait for that. Um, another, uh, hold on, I'll let the train pass. Let the train pass real quick. Alright, so I'm back. So, sorry about that. I live by a train, so, you know, whenever it goes off, it oh, gotta stop everything. Um, next character up that's really important, uh, she's the love interest of Vincent, of course, is uh, Sheila. Um, Sheila's really cool because I remember when I was developing Sheila, um, I talked with a lot of my female friends, and I was like, hey, you know, for female heroes, or heroines, like, what do you guys look for? Or, you know, even in, in these RPG situations, like, what what are you guys looking for in terms of uh, uh, the women, you know, the, the representation for women in these kind of games? And uh, one of my friends, uh, Christy Boss, shout out to Christy. Uh, Christy, I don't know if you're listening to this right now, but uh, thank you, because what you said that day really helped me mold a lot of my female characters. But she said, uh, which is very true and a good point, she said, we're tired of being damsels in distress. Like, we don't always have to be saved. So when you make your, your stories and your games, like, just be sure to put strong women in there to where they don't have to kind of be saved. And so I was like, alright, cool. And so I took that to heart, man, because I, I kind of understand where she's coming from. And with my game, I'm trying to do a lot, I'm trying to listen to a lot of people and see, you know, what they like and don't like in games. And, uh, so I molded Sheila. And Sheila is kind of a mold of all the women I've met so far. And, uh, she's really cool. She's a very headstrong person. Uh, she's been a lifelong childhood friend of Vincent. Um, and she's always gone on, like, you know, mercenary missions with them. I mean, they they have this playful back and forth nature with each other. Um, in the game, you kind of see them. I want to eventually show them get together, but at first, they're kind of just like you know she likes him. Uh, and he there there's a feeling for her, but he he's trying to play it cool. She's trying to play it cool, and they're just you know trying to their their friendship is all they've known. In the slight teasing is all they've known, but they've never gone full into love so that's what this is gonna dive into a lot of 
Uh, but she's really cool. She's actually uh, a martial artist. I made her a very strong uh, martial artist. She studies the, or she's the master of the Angie style, which is something I created. Um, her father, uh, Master Don Q. Angie, is, um, he is the grandmaster at the moment, along with uh, his wife. He's kind of holding down the dojo. Uh, I believe the dojo is in... Uh, I want to say uh, it's the other city right across from Acorn City. But anyway, um, you know, I wanted to make her really cool and balanced. So I made both her parents like martial artists, um, and she goes on to do a lot in the game. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the second half of the game has a major focus on her uh, due to certain events, and uh, you'll see that when you play the game. But I thought that was really cool. Um, I took Christy's uh, suggestion to heart. And I was like, alright, cool. Well, she'll be... There'll be plenty of times where she saves Vincent. Um, there'll be plenty of times where she saves other people. You know, like, she's kind of... When they started to meet more people and get more people on the team, she's kind of the second in command. Uh, so she's, she's really tight. Um, I wanted to make her very uh balanced in terms of offense and defensive so you'll see a lot of that in the gameplay uh and i'm still working out the bugs and the kinks on her skills but i think uh people will enjoy her i think she'll be a very cool and very inspiring character for everyone not just females um so i can't wait i think that's gonna be awesome uh next one up is marshall now marshall is the best friend to vincent it's funny, when I created Marshall, Marshall is actually based off one of my real-life friends uh, that he's okay with. Um, he is a very headstrong duty person, and I think that's kind of how I describe the person I based him off of. Um, but he is a crest sword of the king uh, in the kingdom of Eka. Uh, he's all about the knights and the kingdom of Eka. He'll do anything for the kingdom. Um, and you see that come into question uh, a lot. And you also see him kind of, you know, sometimes maybe even choosing duty over friends. Um, but you see you see that with him and Vincent. Uh, they have a very strong friendship because, of course, uh, he grew up with the other three, which I'm going to get to that in a minute. But he grew up with Vincent uh, Sheila, and there's another one, uh, another person named Duo, uh, that I haven't really described yet, but they all, all four of them grew up as childhood friends, and they all went, like, very separate ways, but they're still the best of friends, and so you see them go through a lot in this game as well, uh, which is, uh, another cool thing that I'm gonna kinda touch on as the game, uh, goes further. Uh, yeah, but he's a really cool guy. Uh, creating him was very easy for me because I know the the real life person based off him so well. And so that was really fun. And I can't wait for people to see him and see the things he goes through. Um, next person is Kalia. Now, Kalia is a little bit different. She is uh, an avian, uh, which in my world are people who have wings and can fly. And so she comes from a continent. Now, what's so interesting about avians and Kalia is that avians are actually cursed with, or not cursed, they're bound by magic. So 
They can't. Everybody knows they come from a floating continent, but they can't tell people the name or exactly where it is. So every time someone asks, like, "Oh, okay, cool. What? what where is this continent? Where are you from?" They speak gibberish, and and they seem to be magically possessed whenever you try to ask them where they're from. And so it's like a lock mechanism that they all receive before going out into the world just so they can hide from humanity. Because it's funny, they don't trust humanity yet. Um, when I created the avian race, that's they're kind of the new race that they just found out about. But I wanted to keep that key component because... They're overlooking everything, and they've seen the wars that humans can get into over nothing. And so, to protect themselves when they are ready to go down, they've always locked the location, which I thought was a really cool thing. I wanted to put in there, um, just to kind of have it play into major key components in the story later on. And it does. There's a lot of things there that they do, and they don't do, that are that affects everyone directly. So it's pretty crazy. I can't wait to get into that. And then they're majorly affected in the game. I can't tell you how, but you'll see. But Kalia's really cool. Um, there's a lot going on with her. Uh, she's a very uh, awesome, quiet person, but she's still exploring the world. So she's seeing, you know, the, the land the, the land dwellers for the first time. So she's walking around, seeing everything on land, like, oh, okay, cool. And she's either impressed with what they know or like, oh, they don't know about this, you know. So it, it's it's very cool. I'm very excited for her character as well uh, and the interactions between her and the rest of the crew are very funny. Uh, moving right along, Ko. Ko is actually a really cool player. I like him. So I made this mysterious ninja. Uh, he's also based on one of my good friends. He knows who he is. He's actually helping me with the expansion pack with him, so I can't wait for that either. You guys... Just, uh, it, I, it's so great. Um, but Ko is really cool. He's a very mysterious demon hunting ninja. Now, when the characters first meet him, and I have this in the demo as well, when you go up to him, he just doesn't want to be bothered. He's like, leave me alone. I'm just trying to enjoy my lunch, you know? And it's funny because he's a very proud demon hunter ninja. Uh, he comes from the Aku clan of ninja, um, and that's what they do. They hunt down famous demons. Uh, what's going to happen is eventually a tragedy befalls him and our crew comes upon Ko. And, you know, he, he's kind of in need of being healed and all those other things. And they patch him back. And the first thing he does is he thanks him and he apologizes because he remembers how he treated him in the end. He's like, I'm sorry. You know, I was just full of myself. And I, I was just focused on the mission. And so he vows to get revenge. Uh on the demon Talioso, who took out his clan, and, uh, that's a really cool thing, him and Vincent gets along really well, uh, he becomes kind of Vincent's bodyguard, and, like, kind of best friend, because they kind of talk about things that's happening, and, and he sees how great of a person and leader Vincent is, and so he kind of gives him advice, because, to him, Vincent was kind of in a position that he was in, but Vincent handles things so much better, and he tries to help him along the way. So, it's, it's really tight. Uh, I'm excited for Ko. Ko is a very complex character. A lot of the inspiration for Ko, aside from basing him off one of my friends, uh, came from, and I don't know if you guys have played this, if you played uh, Final Fantasy VI, 
uh, comes from Shadow. I don't know if you remember Shadow, but Shadow was really cool, and he had such a deep story, but the creators of Final Fantasy VI never really touched on it. You saw, like, bits and pieces of things, and I was like, man, I, I want them to talk more about him, and so I kind of made this based off that. Like, he seems like a mysterious ninja at first, but as you play the game, you get more and more memories about him, and and there's more to him than meets the eye. And then when we put out the expansion pack about him, you see the full story and what leads him up to the event that we meet him at. It's it's gonna be great. Um, I think you guys will really like it, and I like what my buddy has done so far on it. My good friend. Uh, you'll know who that is soon enough. I'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, so check out Kel. Keep your eyes peeled for him. He's gonna be cool. Um, another person I came up with is actually Crystal. And Crystal is based off, like many of these other characters, based off friends. This one's actually based off a friend I can name. Christy Boss. That's right. Again, shout out to you, Christy. You may or may not be listening to this, but, uh, shout out to you. And so, yeah, this is basically... Crystal is very special to me because Crystal actually embodies um, a, a huge secret that you find out later on in the game. And uh, I can't tell you because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, she is a Dakachian uh, of extreme myth because she's a Dakachian that does not have the marks of ruin, nor does she get sick when she's outside of Dakachia. Uh, which, um, that's a big thing that I focused on with the, the race of people of the Darkashians. Uh, the Darkashians are cursed beings, uh, who, they had a goddess, but she went crazy. And so, she cursed everybody. It was a byproduct of her going crazy. And the other gods and goddesses, like, kind of casted her away. And they have another god that they worship. But, she... Uh, basically, somehow is linked to Crystal. I can't say how, but uh, basically, Crystal has this magical power, and it's locked by her wearing this tiara. But every time someone takes that tiara off, she goes magically crazy. Like she goes like super, just ungod, ungoddess-like power. You know what I'm saying? So she's pretty cool. But you find her, um. And there, there's a lot going on with her. There's a lot going on with her and the Dakashian people. And who knows what could happen in the game. Because she has a major role to play as well. Uh, especially during the second half. Kaiser is also based off one of our friends, of course. A lot of these, now, now some of these are just original creation. I know a lot of you are like, damn, like, did you make any characters that weren't based off your friends? And I did! But, you know, a lot of these are based off people I know because... They're the real rock stars in life, and uh, they're, they're cool people. Uh, but Kaiser is cool. So he's an immortal vampire knight. Now, this is funny, because what happens is, a long time ago, um, him and a bunch of his knight buddies in the same knight troop were going to find this, this magical treasure that supposedly was going to let them live forever. But unfortunately, what they find is a crazy vampire that kills everybody, and then curses him with immortality. Not like, you know, oh, no. He just curses them all. Well, curses Kaiser with immortality. And so he's a very interesting character as well. Because 
he is kind of set on finding, uh, I guess, the, the guy who turned him. Uh, but he's also kind of just walking uh, walking the earth kind of thing. Where he's just, he's kind of like a wandering, almost like Kane from, uh, remember that? Kung Fu, The Legend of the He's almost like him. So that was really cool. Um, I had a blast making him. He's a lot of fun. He has a very cool backstory. Uh, I can't wait to flush that out in the game. But yeah, and there and guys, there is like I actually have it here. There's more to him, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin what you'll find out in the game. So there's more, but that's all I can say about him. All right, let's move on. Larissa, Larissa is really cool. She's actually the assistant to the magician Vera. She is a. I'm still deciding, but I think I am going to make her a, a a hidden or optional character that you can get. Uh, but if you get her, she's definitely worth it uh, because she does a lot of cool things. And uh, yeah, it, it was. She has a very sad life. Like she used to basically be a human tool or slave. Uh, she was brought up in the Wild Orchids organization, which is. An organization by rich people who use orphan kids with special powers or pump them full of special powers and make them go out and do their bidding. It's crazy, but she was she grew up in that. And so when you see her, she's just when you first meet her, she's in Vera's uh shop just walking around and when you talk to her more and you find out more quests about her, that's when you find out more about her past, which is kinda sad. So uh she's another great character. Uh, that I wanted to kind of pop, and I wanted to make her complex. Um, Vera, Vera is cool. Uh, and see, see, I told you, not all of them based on my friends. These are original characters. Vera is really cool. She's a outstanding magician. Uh, cool thing about her is she left nobility. Uh, she was because she saw firsthand what the wild orchids was doing, and her parents are kind of mixed in it, and so she leaves. She leaves the the whole thing behind. And she cast out their name, and she kind of stands on her own, has a magic shop, and she just comes to the kingdom of Eka, and she's just chilling there, you know. Um, I think she is, yeah, she is one of the, the regular characters, and yeah, she has a lot that she goes through as well. Uh, a lot of it ties into the Wild Orchids organization. Um, that's good stuff. I can't wait to to show people what she's made of because she does a lot of cool things and she has a lot of cool skills so I can't wait for that Rodimus now this one's really cool because again Rodimus is now Rodimus is based off one of our friends um he's really cool he's actually one of the few people that fall alongside the 12 which you'll find out who the 12 are when you play the game I don't want to say anything else about them but they're also major players in the game um but he fall alongside them and he's an excellent blacksmith of course just like the guy in real life that I based him off of, he's actually an excellent uh, blacksmith. Um, but basically, he is in the weapon shop uh, that he owns in in the kingdom of Eka with his lovely wife, Nuna. Also based off a real life person. Um, and yeah, he has a lot going on for him. Uh, you find out a lot about him and his... Uh, disdain for a few people and elementals. Um, you'll see that later on in the game. Nuna, 
his uh, his wife in the game. She's really cool. She's also the enchantress uh, who fall alongside the twelve as well. Uh, she is an optional character, but you can do side quests to get her. That's really fun. You'll enjoy that. Um, Kelly. Now Kelly's cool because Kelly is a troll. Um, now in this game, trolls are actually green people. They're not really different from normal people. They're just green and they have a little bit more strength. They're physically more powerful than other people, but they're still people. And so when you come in the game, when you come in on the Kingdom Withheld, the trolls are having, they're going through a lot because a lot of people treat them like they're monsters. Um, they call those people trossists or people who are racist against trolls. Um, but yeah, they go through a lot. They, they're not welcomed in some towns. Like, it's crazy because Kingdom of Eka, it's, it's like this utopia for everyone. Like, it's a very nice and booming metropolitan type like place that's ruled by one nice kingdom and you know it's very international it's very accepting and so you have many cultures blending in together so trolls are safe there elves people but as you progress in the game there are some places you don't like certain types or you know they'll let me you know like uh those trolls or uh those dirty elves or blah 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 um so i wanted to create that but she's cool she's very smart very intelligent I wanted to make that the kind of oxymoron that she's a troll and she's smart. Um, because they're usually known for their physicality. But uh, she is searching for something called the Aegis Stone. Um, it's a very mystical stone said to contain unimaginable powers. So she's like researching it and kind of a halfway archaeologist. But she's going to different like temples and... and uh, ruins to try to find this. Um, for what? Well, you found that out later on in the game. And uh, she's very funny because she spends a lot of time hitting on Vincent and the rest of the uh, the male compatriots uh, throughout the game. Just usual anime stuff. Uh, very funny, though. She's really cool. I can't wait to see everyone get used to her and uh, what she can do. Um... And then there's also Zara. Now Zara's really cool too. Zara is half Darkashian and half human, which is very weird. But she's also an optional character, I want to say. Let me see. Hold on. Make sure. I got it written here. Uh, yeah, she is an optional character. Um, and with optional characters, guys, I haven't decided if I should make... Uh, Certain optional characters like time-sensitive. I'm really worried about doing that because whenever you make something time-sensitive, then people are worried about, oh my gosh, like I gotta stop and look around everywhere or how do I get this person? How do I get that person? Um, But at the same time, like, I don't know. I feel like, like I'll probably have to find a compromise because I don't want you, I don't want the player to go through the game and then it's just like, oh, okay, here's a person I could have got and it's an easy I don't know. So, because that's very tough to introduce, like, a certain level character at the end of the game. And then you gotta go level them up just to see what kind of cool shit they can do. So, I'm still thinking about that. Um, give me more time, and I'll have a, a good answer for that. But I, I want to say, 
more than likely, I'll probably make some things like somewhat time sensitive, like come to a point to where it's like, look, stop. If you have not explored blah, 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 now it's the time. And, and I'll probably even put like little hints in the game and stuff like that. So, I, I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, Sarah is really cool. She is the owner of the Heroes and Villains Inn. And, uh, you know, when you talk to her, she has rumors and quests you can do. Um, and then when you finally get her, someone else takes over in her place and she hangs out with you guys. Um, she's really, really cool. Um, I do like a lot of her background and what she's into. Uh, she has a kung fu style that's unique to traveling merchants, which I think would be cool to explore that. And she's also a summoner, uh, which I can't wait to use that. And I'm still... Kind of testing the summoner bounds of RPG Maker to see if I can have good summons. Uh, so yeah, that's still a process. But um, I'm excited to see how she'll grow throughout the game. Um, very, very awesome. Very awesome. Okay, and then there's two more. Uh, there's General Gil Young, which he is the perceived antagonist of the game. Now I say perceived because some things are going to happen. Who knows? Um, but his initial introduction to the game, and he, he is in the demo, is he shows up and he's like, hey, I'm here to see Vincent. And he does something to get put in, like, the jail that's there. And so they're like, yeah, he, I think he's going to kill, like, a guard troop or something. So like, yeah, but he wants to talk to you. And so when Vincent comes to see him, he's like, perfect. And, you know, he's going to break out and you break into this fight. And he's just going to demolish the team, uh, but he's going to show Vincent a vision, and that's where the game's going to start, basically. That's that's when the real game starts, and uh, that's going to haunt Vincent, and then it's going to be like a reset. Vincent ends up back at his house, and he wakes up, and things are completely different. So, that's one of those things to where I want that to happen, because I I, I want him to be like this kind of boogeyman that shows up in different parts of the game and kind of just challenges Vincent and you'll see why when you play it um but he's shaping up to be a pretty awesome villain and do some pretty crazy things I can't wait um and then another person uh, I didn't mention earlier was Kane the Shogun now Kane the Shogun is based off Shogun uh which he was on the last he was on the part one episode of Kingdom Withheld um it's based off him, and like I said, I liked basing that character off him because if you guys know Sho, Sho has a lot of confidence, and he's very confident in the things he does, and it's not arrogance, it's just confidence, and so I took that and transferred it over into the character, and uh, it's great stuff for the character, guys. Kane is a very noble and quiet uh, crest sword. He's kind of the unspoken leader of the crest swords, because crest swords are independent agents who act on their own, but he pretty much keeps them afloat and kind of keeps them together. And uh, he's very mysterious. He's always about the Kingdom of Echo. Uh, he comes from another land, but that's talked about in the game itself. And I don't want to ruin anything, but uh, he's pretty tight. He believes in order among everything else. And, you know, whatever he has to do for the king, he's going to do it. And so that also comes into play in the second half. Uh, where, where things kind of go crazy, uh, he's gonna he's gonna do a lot of cool things. You're gonna be like, "Word, like that's what we doing?" But 
It's gonna be tight. I like the character I made for him. Uh, much like how Shogun is, like he follows a certain code, and you know it's his code, and he's still he's still loyal to the people around him, but he has a code, and uh, I can't wait for people to see that either. So, yeah, no, that's that's the uh, that's the character so far in a nutshell. Now, I do want to read because I made a small prologue, and this is. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm going to read it, and uh, let me see what you guys think. But here we go. It says, In the beginning, there was only one kingdom, the kingdom of Etonia. It was said to have been the beginning of all things and all races here on Thanos. Some say it still exists in another dimension, while others believe it, is it to be a myth. One thing is for certain, when it comes to the kingdom of Etonia... It has spawned many wars and many deaths over the centuries. To many of the zealots of old, it is the holy grail of treasures and virtues. To others, it is the key to immortality or the greatest advanced civilization ever created. To others, it is the key to meeting the creator's life. Many have tried to open the doorway to this kingdom, but supposedly none have succeeded in finding it. There are also rumors that the immortal beings of the kingdom walk among us in order to protect us from ourselves without knowing their true identities. Exalted Etonians meant to guide us to something, but to what, no one is sure. As of late, however, events are starting to unfold that warn us of a new fate for all of Thanos and perhaps, or perhaps, all of existence as we know it. So... That's the prologue. Um, so I guess now we can <laughs> kind of get into the story progression. So, originally, what I want happening, this is a story about a man who sees one fate and he has to change it, no matter what. That's that's his his plan. But the question is, can he change it? And if he does change it, is that going to solve the problem or stop the inevitable from happening. Um, and so it, it's really hard on him as he journeys with the people he loves to try to protect them. Um, and the story, I want so many things to happen. Because in the middle of all this, you got the, the Kachin War. And they talk about that uh, in the game, in the demo. A lot of people are worried about it. That's like a big, a hot conflict right now because Darkashi has pretty much gone to war with everybody. And they have all these hidden resources to do so. So they become this evil empire where they didn't used to be like that. And so you got that going on. You got uh, tales of the immortals still walking around and people still searching for the kingdom of Etonia. Uh, you have that going on. You have... Um, Avians just into the world. Uh, there's also another race that's going to enter the world that you know I talk about in the game. Um, so there's a lot of things stringing along with Vincent's own mysterious kind of past and future because there's something very special about him. A lot of people and a lot of the so-called gods that you meet in the game are going to point out he's special, but you don't know why yet, and it's not gonna be revealed to later on in the game why he's so special and so when i make 
when I talk about these stories uh, and I talk about the different events that progress the story, uh, it's really tough because they all have to anchor back to what's going to happen to him eventually, um, as well as a lot of people on his team. And, you know, you have so many different complex characters like Ko. Ko is very complex. Um, matter of fact, like, all, because that's not even all the main characters. There's a few more, uh, but a lot. Like, Duo. Duo is very complex. His Duo is, uh, is a thief, and he is part of the Runneth the Ruby, yeah, Runneth, Runneth the Ruby's uh, movement. Um which is a movement against nobles because right now you even have the the poor the poor class clashing with the noble class you know and they're talking about the wild orchid organization and how they use them for labor and they don't pay them well or they don't you know recognize them as members of the society which the kingdom of Eka tries very hard to keep everyone like level and, and equal and have an equal voice but it's still hard and then when you go to other places in the world, other cities and other towns and other kingdoms, you see that, you know, there's not that equality. It's very unequal. Um, so, it, or unequal, unequal. <laughs> what? Uh, um, so, it, it's, a, it's a very crazy thing uh, when you talk about story progression because when I sit and I think about it and I'm writing the story... I'm writing the different stories. You have to all. You have to make sure they all flow. And it's like, ugh. like there's been so many storylines that I threw out because it's good, but it doesn't make sense what's happening, or it doesn't. It's not something that the player can get to in time, uh, and still have time for this other thing that's going on. And then, it, it, so it, it, even in RPGs, there's still some things that you're not going to use because you're so worried about. Okay, well. Does this character have this? Like, you know, is does this character have enough progression? Does this character have enough? And uh, does this story make sense? Or am I boring the player? Like, what am I doing? And so, it's very tough. Um, and again, I'm doing what I can on that one. Um, I think I have a really good introduction. Uh, which is pretty much the demo. And I think... Uh, a lot of people enjoy it when I finally get it out and get the Kickstarter going for it. Um, the ending as well. I have four possible endings in my brain for the game. And uh, I'm still... Perhaps when I have all of the characters nailed down, uh, I'll have a, a good idea where I want to go with the ending. Uh, characters are tough because... You get so many great ideas. Like, I made a lot of NPCs, guys. Like, a lot. Like, we're talking about, ugh. There might be... Well, characters in general, there might be, like, thousands of characters. Then NPCs might be, like, six or seven hundred of that. Um, I know. A lot of characters. All handcrafted because RPG Maker just doesn't think that standard, like, people should have any other color but white. So, you know, I had to go in and handcraft that to where they're different colors, like have some black elves, some, you know, uh, Middle Eastern people, have this, have that. It's very hard to do, but I went in and I did most of it, so I'm still handcrafting all the characters. Um, and I want the experience to be great. Like, I want, like, I want the player 
to feel like like when they go like even down to like going to a town like when you go into a town i want it to feel like it's a big town or feel like uh it's a big country so you know that's why there's so many people around um and then when you go to desolate places like i want to make it feel like it's desolate so i want to make the feeling there uh, I want to make this experience very intimate for the player, so they'll like, oh, okay, cool. If I was there, this is how it would be. Okay, you know. Um, and now I want to make sure there's enough um, kind of tragedy, you know, or or enough that the the player sympathizes with what's going on. I want there to be a challenge of morality. You know, that they feel while they're, like, seeing certain things unfold. And so, um, that's another challenge for me as I as I write the story and continue modifying things, things like that. And another cool thing that's, that's really great is um, me and the other person working on this, which is my buddy Sanchez, who's working on the Co. Uh, project. Um, Sanchez, a.k.a. the Starving Corp guy. Um... It's really cool because we think alike. We've played so many RPGs that we, we, we can we felt like we could make our own RPG a lot better than Square Enix could because we're like fans and students of like the old school Square Enix. And so when we look at things like So he's working on the expansion pack for Co, which again, Co's a very great character and very complex. Um so when he makes things, he's like, okay, so is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I do that? It's like, yeah, absolutely. And then when I make something in my game, it's like, okay, well, here's what I have planned. And, you know, here he is, you know, doing this, doing that, doing that, blah, blah, blah. And so we make sure to line up our story so it doesn't, so this does, like, something happens in my game. And then in his expansion pack, that doesn't happen or he doesn't make mention to it it doesn't make sense i don't want any loopholes and so it's really cool um to have that feeling um will there only will kobe the only person to have a character expansion pack i'm not sure i doubt it um there are a lot of colorful characters a lot of colorful stories in the game um so i sincerely doubt he'll be the last person um I plan on, like, there's just so much story, and I don't want to, like, overpack the game, so I may, some stories may end up being in their own expansion pack, or away from, uh, what's going on in the current story now, um, I have a lot of cool functionalities for the characters, one cool thing that I wanted to make, because I was like, you know, that'd be cool, is a, is a kind of a, a mercenary unit, um, I wanted to make it where you can go, like, kind of start your own guild, and you can just kind of put your own mercenaries together and send them out on missions, or they can roll with you and kind of be, like, assist characters that the enemy can't touch, but they can either do stuff to boost you or attack. Um, so I wanted to do that. That's a cool... I gotta test that functionality out, but I, I think that would be really cool. Um... And just story progression, man. It's just all about keeping the player, you know, interested. And then still having enough side quests. Because, you know, you want the character to be able to, like, okay, well, let's explore. Let's 
see some of the lore of the world. Because a lot of people get into games for that. Some people only are interested in beating the game, which I will have it to where, you know, yeah, you have, like, your... Every so often have what I call your level checks to where, like, hey, you gotta be a certain level to get here. So, uh, I'll still have those in the game, but also we'll still have it to where it's a nice ride. You know, like, it's... I wanna... When I'm... When I made my... Or when I started producing or started creating my video game, I wanted to make it to where people want to go off the path. Like, so make it interesting and not just make them feel like, oh, like, I gotta do this. Um, so that's why a lot of, there's a lot of optional characters to it and there's a lot of cool things you can do. Um, you know, just keep it fresh and just keep people's attention span up. Um... Why I create so many characters? Uh, uh, <laughs> sometimes I ask myself that, like, why did I create so many characters? Um, but then again, when you play any good RPG, even RPGs with a lot of characters, like the Suikoden series, Chrono Cross, um, uh, uh, Radiant uh, Stories, no, Radiate, Radiata, Radiata? Yeah, Radiata Stories, Radiant Historia, um, just a lot of those, like, they did a really great job, um, putting in a lot of characters, so, and they, like, Suikoden is, I think, the best example, it had a hundred and, I think, 108 characters you can get, um, and they still had a really good story, only downside is when you have that many characters, some of them are not going to get a lot of shine or a lot of spotlight. And I understand that. And I, I feel like in my game, I can do that. I can balance that well. Um, and I'll just have to, you know, if I if it does become that many characters, I'll have to be okay with some characters not quite getting the shine I would like. Um, but I think it's always important to have a good set of characters, because, I mean, even Final Fantasy VI, which had, I think, well, just about, like, 20 characters, I believe, um, if not 20, a little bit more, uh, I think that was important, because they were all, like, important characters, they all had their own things going on, and, uh, they were from all over the world, and you had to get them to help you, and stop Kefka, and, uh, again, it's just really awesome, um, and a lot of times, the Fallen Fantasies with a lot of characters are the more memorable ones. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, just wanted to have that feeling. I wanted to have that sense of uh, adventure, that sense of exploration. And not just this is, okay, when we complete this, get this over with. And, you know, I wanted it to be a full experience. I want people to have fun you know, using skills, have fun figuring out the battle system, and then have fun getting new skills, new weapons, and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, we have a lot planned for that. We have a lot planned for uh, Ko as well, like, in terms of, like, what he can use, what he can't use. Um, in my game, he has a very cool skill-using system, and in the expansion pack, he has a very cool system. Um, so I can't wait for people to see that. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for people to see Alchemists in my game. Like, they're going to be pretty tight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, story progression is going pretty well. You just have to 
there's a lot of work on trying to make sure everything comes together. Because you can have, like, this is what I do. Uh, I always work, always figure out the beginning and the end first. And then work on the middle. And just work from the middle and connect everything back to the end pieces. Um, and that's really great because you don't, like, a lot of people don't understand, like, good story writers don't work linear. Like, whew, um, storytellers in general shouldn't work linear because I know I don't. Like, I my stuff is all over the place and then I kind of connect it together like a web. Um, so the biggest thing is, again, just connecting that beginning to end and uh, making sure that you, you have a very cohesive story. And there's not many plot holes because it's very hard to make an airtight story, but you can still make a pretty good story where people don't ask about too many plot holes because sometimes you can't avoid them. Like, sometimes around what happens, you're going to have plot holes. It's like, ah, okay. And you just have to take it. But, you know, most times you can avoid it by just making sure everything's on the up and up and things like that. So, um... Will will these characters see a lot of hardship, pain, and deaths? Yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say now, not everybody is going to make it to the end. Um, and that's not a not an idle threat at all. Uh, and it's not a, oh, I'm going to kill everybody kind of thing. I'm not going to go George R. Martin. But there are definitely going to be some deaths that have significant impacts on the rest of the game and on how people see things. Um, so it's definitely one of those things to where, like, don't get too comfortable with some people because, uh, yeah, some people are going to make it, some aren't. Um, no matter what you do, it's not just a. Uh, linear things, sometimes you'll be able to save them, sometimes you won't, but, uh, yeah, I wanted to give that feeling of kind of growth and symbolism of emotion for your characters, um, because I think one of the greatest things Final Fantasy VII did was make a permanent death, and that was crazy, because a lot of people thought, Oh, she's going to come back. You know, like, oh, like, we can we can get her back, right? We can go on a quest get her back. But it, it wasn't. She just, she died. Um, and a lot of people don't know that was because a particular producer, I forgot his name, like, lost his mother during the production of the game. And he was just like, he wanted to, you know, signify that. Um, and so I thought that was really cool because with Eris, when she died, you felt that. You felt like that was... That was one of the most heartbreaking surprises when you played that game. And I remember like a lot of people were upset because the strategy guides kind of spoiled it for people. Some. I had the good one. I had the official one that didn't spoil it. They didn't tell you anything. They just said, hey, just turn the page to the next chapter. And, oh, it was rough. Um, but that was cool because you went through so much. And y'all went through so much together. And then when she finally passed, it was just like... I have to personally kill Sephiroth. Like, he is going to die, you know. So, I really like that. And I thought that was really cool. And I want something like that in Mon. Um, but I want something a little bit different. So, I'm working on that now. To kind of put that story together. 
But, yeah, that's what I mean by, like, not everybody's going to make it. There are going to be some deaths that are going to be really tragic and hard. And they need to happen. And then some revelations in the game is going to be really tough. Like, there's a lot of things, a lot of the characters come to the realization of they are just tough. And they can't, they can't really deal with it. So, they try their best or people around them can't deal with it. And then you can't, because there's going to be a lot of conflict. And so... Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for people to see that because there's a main part that I'm talking about, and I can't say anything because again, I don't want to ruin anything. But there's a main part in the story that pretty much like, oh shit, like it's real, you know, and kind of just like, okay, the the line in the sand is drawn, and uh, it's pretty tight. So I hope people enjoy it. I hope uh, it turns out well. It translates well. Um, I'm working really hard on that to make that cool, so. So, yeah. That was character development and story progression. Um, I guess if you have any other questions about the episode or about, really, the project, um, you know, shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to talk to people about the game. Um, you know, if you would like your likeness in the game somehow, you know, I, I can do that too. Put you somewhere in the game. Um, or if you just want to know some cool things or see more about the game, you know, definitely hit me up through the nerdplate podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go to Red Dreams Interactive or reddreamsint.com. Um, and you can see a whole bunch of cool, like, things, uh, updates. All kinds of great stuff on the project. Um, you can also check out the Nerd Plate uh, everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. No, I'm sorry. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And then Twitter is Plate underscore Nerd. Um, but on those, I have posted some of the updates of the characters. I even posted some on my personal uh, Twitter, which is Rockman Infinite. Um, also on my Instagram, which is Rockman Infinite One, and then Facebook, of course, you can just see it on Red Dreams Interactive's uh, Facebook uh, webpage or site. I guess site. Anyway, their page. Uh, you can see it on, on on my page where you know I'm talking about it and things like that. So. Alright guys, well thank you so much for hanging with me. Uh, I'm really sorry about the scheduling conflicts. Uh, we just, we get busy sometimes and things go crazy. Uh, thank you so much for everybody who waited until today uh, for for this episode. Uh, I do apologize about it being released on a Saturday. But a lot of things kept coming up and yeah. So here I am. Uh, you've been listening to the Nerd Plate of Rockman 3K3, you know, the one with the chain on, aka the lanyard, because I'm too broke to ball out otherwise. Uh, and we will see you next time, guys. Thank you so much again for listening. And again, if you have any questions, hit me up in the emails. Um, happy to answer. Even in the comments. If you want to just leave a comment, please leave a comment. I'd be happy for that, too. Alright, guys. I'm Rockman 3K3. This has been the Nerd Plate. I'm out!